Okay, so we saw Gidon was chasing the army of Moab. He had crossed the Yarden and his troops were tired, his troops are hungry. So he asked the people of Sukkot for food and the people of Sukkot refused to help him. He asked the people of Penuel for food and they likewise refused to help him. So Gidon threatens both of them. He says, if I come back successful, so he is going to take punishment, so to speak, take revenge, if one could say even, against the people of Sukkot and the people of Penuel. We'll see what happens and then we'll discuss why he did that. So we're holding in Parakhez Pasuk Yud. And the Pasuk says, V'zavach and Salmuna, those are the two kings of Midian, Zavach and Salmuna. They were in a place called Bakarkor. Karkor is normally translated as a place, it's a city that they were in. Uh, so Rashi explains it. And uh, the Mashmur says there was a fortified city. That was their capital. So as opposed to having like, fought in the field until now, where Klaish had the upper hand because they had been chasing them. But now, uh, the Zavach and Salmuna, the two kings of Midian, had barricaded themselves into the fortress, into the city where they were protected. And not only that, they still had the remainder of the army, Machanei They had their soldiers with them, Kachameshus Asar Elef, which was 15,000 people, which was not very much compared to an army which began as how the Novi described it as the Kachal Svasayam. And that's what it says. Kolon Yisrael become Machad Nekev. It was all that was left from the entire army that they had gathered beforehand. And to show you the comparison, if there were 15,000 people left, Vahanoifim, the amount of people who had died, was Meya Ve'estrim Elef Ish, Shalukhev, 120,000 people. So they had a very small percentage uh, still with them. No, because it could be the other ones ran away. Everyone ran, these are the ones who died. But uh, it could be the, the rest of the troops who just dispersed. So it doesn't tell us how many they were. Now it's an interesting thing. Once they had retreated into their city, Sapposa tells us the Machne was better, which means they didn't think they were going to get attacked. And the reason for that was because they never really believed that they had been. Uh, they had been beaten, they had been, so to speak, destroyed by Kal Yisrael. They realized that what had happened was that the army had panicked and run, and like we saw, they inflicted most of the damage on themselves. And therefore, now that they have fortified themselves, they have secured themselves in their city, in Karkar, so there was no reason for them to assume that they were going to get attacked. It wasn't that Gidon had been successful in attacking them beforehand. And that's over Betach. And it's interesting that Gidon also wanted to catch them by surprise. And therefore, instead of attacking the city straight on, it says, he went there which uh, which means there was a side of the city where there were people living in tents. Uh, the Masoretz explains it wasn't even Bnei Midian; these are the the Arabs who always uh, the Yemazeh, the Midians live in tents, and therefore instead of going directly to fight Midian, Gideon went from a route where they, which was already inhabited by the people because obviously Midian wasn't getting expecting to get attacked from that side, and therefore he's now. Is the first time Gideon actually coordinates an attack, and that's when he attacks Machna Aram. And something here, So they run, and Gideon chases them. He captures the two kings alive, what we're going to see in a moment, and what he does with them. But in the rest of the camp, so he destroys them. At this point, they already were armed. 
at this point they were armed, like we saw, because they had picked up the arms from uh, all the fallen soldiers who had left them when they were in their haste to run away from Kaisra. Uh, now, the church of Lashon Hecharit, the Matzodas points out, doesn't mean he destroyed it, but he manages again to frighten them, Lashon Harada, and therefore, instead of standing to protect the king, which what soldiers are meant to do, the soldiers all ran away, which left the two kings, Zemach and Samuna, undefended, which is why Gideon was able to capture them alive. is another word in the Nacht of the Sun, and therefore it means that Gideon returned from the battle even before the sun set, which is coming to show us the good Lanais that didn't take a long time. That's right. It, was, it wasn't, didn't take a long time, and uh, in the same day that he launched his attack, he had already been successful. Vayilkod Nar Vianche Sukkus, and returned there as Israel, so he captures a, a Nar, a child, from the people of Sukkus, Vayishaleo. He asked him, who are the people who, the leaders of the town of Sukkus, Vayilkod 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 and then he writes, based on this Nar's list, the leaders or the officials of Sukkus, which came out to Shivan Vashivaish, 77 people. Now Gideon had threatened them beforehand, and he said that he's going to torture them with the Kotim and the Barakonim, if he will come back successful. So now that he has come back with Zavach and Salmunna alive, so Vayavai Elan Chesokos, Vayamahine Zavach and Salmunna. Here Zavach and Salmunna, Shecharaftim Oisi, you embarrassed me, insulted me, Lemur Hakaf Zavach and Salmunna Atab Yadacho, Kinitan and Nashacho Hayafim Lecha. When he asked for food on the way to the battle, so they said, you haven't captured their kings, we're not going to help you. And now he said, look, I have captured the kings. And as he threatened, he did. Basically, he... Right, he... means he connected them, but it literally means he punished them with the, the thorns of the Barconium, which also the trees which have, which have sharp leaves, which uh, would punish them. Now we're going to talk in a moment what rights are good enough to do this. Let's just see the next point. When he got to the Penuel, so his threat to people of Penuel was he destroy the tower. But here he didn't destroy, destroy the tower. It's also Vayaragas Anshayir. He killed the people of the city. So the question is what was the reason for that? Now, what right did Gideon have to kill the or people of Penuel and to punish the people of Sukkot? So the Mephoshim asked the question, as the Shita of Abraham, we're going to see in the Shita of Chasm Sefer. And possibly a third shade of the Farshim as well. In other words, we don't find that because they refused to give him food means he was allowed to kill them or he was allowed to torture them. We don't find that that's the Oynish, which is Nitan uh, for a Jewish ruler to give. So, what was the, what, in what get there did Gideon have the right, so to speak, to inflict punishment? So, then, like I said, the three different Mahalchim which are given in the Farshim over here. The first Mahalach is that a shepherd had the din of a melech. Uh, even though he wasn't the melech of Kal Yisrael, but nevertheless, the din of a melech applies to anybody who's appointed as a leader of Kal Yisrael. And if that's okay, it's just like it's a din that a king can inflict something punishments based on the laws of the king, which are not necessarily the laws of based in. And this is something we're going to see a number of times in the Nakh, of kings who decided to institute certain punishments or to uh, kill individuals based on disobedience to the king, even though that wouldn't necessarily fall into the category of something which the Torah is mechaif. And this is why the king was a tzaddik. When David Amenach decides he's killing Uriah Chiti, he's being a married by Malchus, we don't find Uriah did any Avera. 
It wasn't that Alpi Din he was Chayef. There was a Din that the king has the right to punish based on what he considers to be Marib Malchus. And the Shadi is, this is the Shadi in the Mephoshim, does the king have the right to decide that or does he need the best thing? In other words, can the king make a rule and now someone who disobeys that, now based on to decide this person is a Marib Malchus and punish him? Or is it the, the king's prerogative on his own to be both the legislature and the executive? Yes, he can make the rule, he can decide. Someone's disobeying the rule and therefore he decides high punishment. This is Mark and Vine, Jerusalem, and I did it? No, that's something else. This is, that's din, that's this is the din of a Merch. And if that's the case, there's two Chidushim over here. The Abinas is Shat, there's two Chidushim involved. The first one is that a Shafit has a din of a Merch. One could argue about that. One could say maybe the din of a Merch applies specifically to someone who was appointed as a Merch and not necessarily anyone who was appointed as a leader. So that's the, that's the first Chidush that Gidon felt that as a leader, being appointed by Hashem as a leader, he had the right to inflict the dinim of a melech. And the second Kiddush here is that, in this case, Gideon himself decided to execute the punishment. So like we saw, it's a machlech If the din of Mer melech means the base din to paskin that he's chayev and therefore punish him, or not, here we see Gideon, if you don't find it a best, and he decided on his own. What did Abigail tell David when he wanted to kill Novo? So David, no, David wanted to kill Novo because the same thing, he held his Mary Malchus. And Abigail told that him that you're not yet, a, and, no, he said you're not yet, no one knows you're a Melech. So it's not called the Mary if you didn't know you were a Melech. Okay, that's a different point, but... If, if, if Hashem is the man of the Dinah Melech, do we find any halachas that are specific to Hashem? No. The, the position of Amitai Israel. Who has that authority as a melech? A regular leader doesn't necessarily have that ability. Is there any authority given to a shaykh? If he's not a monk, is there any authority given to him? Or is he just a regular, just a regular nasi or, or not even? And that's this is, now that will be this comes the second answer. To protect his own laws or to protect his own covenant, we don't find any any rights given to a shaykh. I got what you brought from the story of David and Novel. Is a raya that the post can bring to the other shita. That after Novel refused to to David's people, and David decided to judge him, like Gemara Malchus, so the passage there says that David told his men to each hold their sword, uh, and they all held their sword, and that, uh, maybe with Erech Trush, but Gemara explains in that, that David can read the basin. And the, the idea was, he said, you're going to just pass on the halach, is he chayat me so not? And they bring a raya that the, even before it's Merv Melech, but the man said it needs a psak. That's a baseness to decide. Psak of Merv Right, so the, the David convened his men to be a baseness to make the psak. Okay. So that's the Chidushim involved. Now there's another Chidushim also. And that is, if that's the case, we understand that the uh, din of Merv Melchus, what dinim can a king inflict? Lechaira, it's a din of Misa. It's not the Merv Melchus, that's like the Bible says, because I showed Yamres Pechoyumos. So the dinner is going to kill him. But that, so maybe Anshep Pnul, he considered them to be being married with Malchus. Let's say he was in that gather. He had the right to kill them. Mishar is how does it apply to Anshep Sukkos, where he punished them. He didn't kill them. So the dinner also that he has the right to punish. Right, it's not the shot of the severity of the Ainish. The Sfarah would be that the dinner of a murder is you have to take him out of the way. He's being murdered. So it's, coming, it's preventing a rebellion. So I can kill someone, it's preventing a rebellion. But to kill him, uh, but to punish him, is that fit also into the category where the king is allowed to do? Right, that would be, that's the first ma'alach. The second ma'alach here, which is also very interesting, because it's also a big chiddish. Who is that first ma'alach? The second ma'alach brought here is that, given the din of a navi, 
And the Rach is a Ivra Divrei Navi is Chayav Misa. That's in the first Mishnah, that's not a Chiddush. And Gidron knows it's not a Mishnah, told him to go fight. And if that's the case, Gidron held that if somebody who didn't assist him in going to fight was being married, the, 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 the Nevoah that he was meant to fight, and uh, helping him fight, so that's uh, considered uh, being Ivra Divrei Navi. Again, in order to say that, it means they have to have known that Gidron was a Navi and pointed to the job. If a person doesn't know that someone's a Navi and he gives an instruction, so you can't punish him afterwards, he doesn't know he's a Navi. So you have to say, in order to explain that Mahalach, that they knew that Gidron was a Navi, and they, they weren't prepared to assist him in the battle. And if that's the case, so I'll appeal that to a Chayv Mesa. Once again, the din of a Navi is that, he's, uh, he can, that a person is over the Navi is Chayv Mesa, is a din for the base din. And the Gemara brings this mission to Hedrin in the end of the 10th parak. The Gemara brings us the din in the base din. The base din can paskin that a person is a over the Navi, a Navi is over the Atzma, is Chayv Mesa, and it's a Bechenek, it's a Psach din. So here also we have to say that uh, Giran assumed the right as the one to Paskin, even though we don't find a study had a basin to Paskin that. The third Mahalach, which the Chasm Sefer says, is an uh, interesting one. He brings the Gemara Insider. The Gemara Insider says that when they, uh, the soldiers went to battle, it says, They used to hold had people behind holding metal poles. Why? And the Shus Nesoda, that anyone runs away, they can break his legs. What's the reason for that? Because you, if people run away, Tchidas Nefila Nisa, that people who run away from the army is going to cause a drop in the morale of the army, and it could cost us the battle. Exactly. And therefore, we can uh, force them to stay, or even uh, cause injury, break their legs, like the Prophet says, uh, to, in, order to, in order to prevent people running away from the battle. And uh, if you have to translate the idea, into today's terminology, we'd say that in Bishas Muhammad is the din of martial law. Even though there's no such Oynish in based in that a person runs away, you can break his legs. Well, this doesn't fit into any gather of Oynish we know about. Right? But there's a din of martial law. In Bishas Muhammad, somebody who's going to go against the, the interests of the army of Israel, they have the right to punish. Why? In order not to, in order not to encourage people to break ranks or to, so to speak, ruin the, the spirit that Israel needs in order to be victorious. And if that's the case, the Chassam Sefer explains that Gidon was using that same prerogative as well. This is Shas Muhammad, and if that's the case, people have to support the army. As you know, it's a din, that even people who are not soldiers, they have to mitak and sederach, and they have to provide say to Umayim. That's the din of this population, the civilians, to support the army. Even without a king. Because it's not a it's king. Not, 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 it's a king. It's Bishas Muhammad. There's, there's, a, there's a way things have to work in time of war, and this was the Mardav Muhammad. And if that's the case, uh, when they didn't, uh, so to speak, help, Israel, which asked the battle, but didn't help the army, so they're given the right to punish them. Now, this is the biggest Kiddush. It it's, it's a nice svara to compare the two things, but it's the biggest Kiddush. Because the passage of the Gemara is that this right only is as it happens. Right now, someone's running away, so I want him to stop him running away so I can break his legs, because otherwise, if he runs away, it's going to cause a lack of morale. But if right now I didn't break his legs, he managed to get away. I can't afterwards finish, go and say, now I'm going to break your legs. What's that achieving? The idea was Bishas Muhammad, I'm not allowed to I, I can stop him doing something which is going to ruin the army. But afterwards it's not a like retributive punishment that later on I can go and uh, punish him for something that already happened when Rasma is not on Bishas Muhammad. And therefore the Khazim Zafir because the Pasha says at this stage the war was over. Get rid of one and he brought back the kings. So if Bishas Muhammad is not giving you food, fine. You can break into the houses and steal the food. The, the, the army is allowed to do that. You want to punish them, you can punish them Bishas Maisa. 
But once the war is finished, so now go back and punish them. Mechitais is the right for that. Mechitais is the right for that. The din is only not during the battle, so that you shouldn't ruin the, so to speak, the, the outcome of the battle. But once the battle has been won, we don't find that Lemafreya, you have the right to go and uh, punish exact punishment. The Lemaisa, he says the Sheikh Hirafta Messi. doesn't say. Right, the Sheikh Hirafta is much more like one of the first two stories. That is the din of the Melech. Anyway, that's what he did. What's the Chassam Sever talking about? He's talking about a halachic shayla? No, he's talking about this. He's talking about this. He's, 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 he's trying to explain what the right to be on the head. And he, he builds us, he said, that there's, there's rules to prevent. Uh, right, people. to prevent Kla uh, Israel, so to speak, abandoning ship. But I said, the Chor, again, the Chor says it here, it's asking a shayla. The Chor, that would be more like Bishas Mulchamma itself rather than afterwards. What about the Redax? I saw the Redax says that. He wasn't planning on killing them, but because they prevented so, him from breaking the Badak the... is only explaining half the Shaida. There's two things. He didn't pray, the Redak's asking a different question. And that is, he, he threatened the people of Padul, he was going to break the tower. So why, why, he, why he, he, just to break the tower, why did he kill them as well? So Redak says, oh, he didn't want to kill them, they stopped to defend the tower. And that's the case. In order to break the tower, the people, the defenders of the tower were killed. There was, there wasn't the plan. It was, uh, it became a mini Milchama, so to speak, uh, in order to do that. Um, there is another. First, he, he the tower, he, he tried to attack the tower. He, he broke the tower, and in doing that, he killed the people who were trying to defend the tower. Yeah, but that wasn't the intention. Now the, this, the, there are those questions who try and make it sound more. So the other tower panel was that there was another issue here also, and that is. That they didn't feel that they that they were responsible to help Klai Israel because they felt that the tower to an island, that they had some kind of a fortress and therefore they were safe from being the enemy because they could barricade themselves in the fortress. And besides that, Gideon wanted them to feel more responsible for everybody else. He said, "I'm going to break the tower, therefore you won't have uh, some false uh, sense of reliance." Okay, that could also be. That uh, it doesn't disturb us. Gideon wanted to break the tower. The question is more: How is it allowed to uh, torture the people of Sukkot? That would be more of a question. And again, for that, we have to use one of the answers we said before. Okay, so that's the first point. And now we see a very interesting paradox which Shunavi tells us. And this is really a Taino and Gidon. So now, having punished the people who wouldn't help him, so now he turns to these two kings. Where the people that you killed in Tobah? Now, obviously, it can't mean where the people you killed because he just said you killed them, right? So, the, the, therefore, the Mufashim will explain the question as who were the people that you killed in Tabor? In other words, on the, uh, the, the Nobi never told us this beforehand, but when the army of Midian moved into Eretz Israel, they obviously killed people on the way. So, get around to know who were the people you killed. And, you are like them. Now, what's this double lotion? What are they trying to say? So there's two Mufashim here, there's two Mahalchim Mufashim here to explain what I wanted to say. The first Mahalch, now we're trying to say, is Zevach and Samona weren't uh, repentant of the fact that they've been captured. So the first thing they said is, we wish we could do to you what you did to them. Kamaycha Kamaya was like a clod. That we should do to you, whatever would happen to you would happen to them. Um, in other words, there wasn't an experience that they were. And then the second part of his, the answer was, there were people who looked like uh, princes. They had the appearance of a prince. 
so the answer is really the second part. The first part is just the color that they they're eating at Gidon. That's the one we're explaining the pasuk. The other way explaining the pasuk is the way the Mitzvahs explains the pasuk, and that is that Kamaycha Kamayim means you, they look like you, like you, like them. You look the same as them. Um, and if that's the case, they were trying to flatter Gidon. Because the, the answer was basically the first part. They looked like you. But then Otafagan said, and they looked like princes, which is basically saying you also look like a prince. Um, either way around, Gidon understands what they told him. They were my brothers. How did you taste the achat? Also depends on the show you're learning. And the fee, the Mitzvah of learning. So, it's uh, echad means like something which is unique. It's like they were like they were echad. They were somewhat like special, like they were princes. They were some people. Like I said, they were then they were trying to flatter Gidon. Either way, Gidon says they were achad bnei imihem. Chai Hashem, he makes a shvur. Lo achayisim oisam direct yeschem. If you would have kept them alive, I wouldn't have killed you. And now the question obviously is, why in the world would Gidon say that? And why wouldn't he kill them? If there were kings who had come to oppress Klai Yisrael, forget about the fact that they killed his half-brothers. They had killed many other Jews. The, the whole point of the battle was to capture them. So how can you make a shvur and say that had you not killed my brothers, then I wouldn't have killed you? Well, firstly, why wouldn't you have killed them? And uh, what, what right does he have not to kill them, so to speak? If, he, if Why is it up to him? If he was given a mission by Hashem to destroy Midian, so then they would include killing the kings as well. Also, where do we find that the was from a princely family? He wasn't. So, Pnei Melachim was just... He said they were trying to flatter him. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you realize that Tachwad is brothers? Sorry? So, did you so realize according that? to the Tachwad, he said they looked like you. According to the first chat. According to the first chat, they made a crowd that they were coming to give him a flutter. No, uh, because the one that they were trying to flatter him while he looked like that. No, because they said they looked like you. You looked like they looked. So, it was fun, it was fun. The second part, they said that they looked like Nehemiah was a flutter. They left the ad, they looked like princes. But the first part, he's saying they looked like you. So then Yichab, it was his brothers. So he says, because of that, that's why I'm going to kill you. And like I said, the, not only that, the unfortunate thing is a step further. You see, when it came to the Anshe Pnu and Anshe Sukkos, there was no Rachamim. Right? They, didn't really, they, they hadn't helped Gurun, Gurun was ready to punish them. So why would it come to these Goyish kings, to Gurun of Ahabim, you know, to keep them alive? Now, there's a, you saw it, there's a principle here which runs through a number of stories in the Nach. I mean, the other famous examples, this is Shal and Agag. You can ask, ask the same Shaila. Shal wants to keep the sheep alive. He wants to bring Korbanis. They wanted sheep, they a good quality of sheep. Okay, it was wrong, it's understandable. But if you're killing all the people, why do you keep Agag alive? He's the worst, he's the king. He should be the first one to get killed. And Shal doesn't even try and defend that. The whole argument is about, about the sheep. Yes, the sheep, not the sheep. It was made for Korbanus, the people wanted it, whatever it is. What about a guy? Why do you keep him alive? Well, how's the show going to explain that? That's the second time. And you find this in other places also. That there was an need to keep the king of the other nation alive. Now, it's not, what would be the reason for that? Well, so far we've seen two. The one was a sign of, a sign of pride for a king that he has kings that he's, he can show like in the cage just how many kings he's subjugated. That was like a symbol of his victory. If I remember, we saw this at the very beginning of Shaftim. We don't know about Adoni Bezek. 
And then Yimelech says, 80 kings were him like chickens under my table. And that was a sign of his covet, and how many kings I've subjugated. That's what he did to them. He cut off their thumbs. No, he kept just the thumbs. No, no, he kept the kings. He kept the kings. He kept the kings. They said they were melakim They were looking for crumbs of bread under the table. That was a symbol of his uh, how powerful he was. So it was the in to keep the king alive, like to demonstrate a person's victory. Same thing we're going to find much later on by Nebuchadnezzar. When it says by Nebuchadnezzar, it talks about all the kings. When Shabbos talks about all the kings who were oichem tachashulchana, including Tzitzkiel, he was also. Incarcerated by, or he was killed, is the Achania. was incarcerated by Nebuchadnezzar, and the point of that was the same idea. There was an idea to keep the king alive, to show the victory, so to speak. And that Rab would have been something that Gideon would have thought about doing as well, keeping the king alive, so to speak, to show the victory that they had. But then he said, Had you not killed him? Now that you killed him, he felt he was a god of Adam, he wanted to kill the kings as well. So it's not interesting. So he tells, Gideon tells his son, you get up and kill them. The Gideon's son was too scared to kill. What was he afraid of? So just in the bottom, it says, he was afraid. What was he afraid of? So Rashi adds in, he was scared of them. He was scared of them, even though they had been captured. But Lemaise, they were, as kings, obviously, maybe there was something daunting about him that he was too scared to kill them. The Adam of Hashem explained more simply. He was, he was scared to kill. He was still a kid and he didn't, hasn't been trained as a soldier. He, wasn't, uh, he didn't know how to use, wield a sword. Which then they want to explain. That's exactly what Gideon was trying to train him in. In other words, Gideon felt that this was the Melchim Hashem. So he wants to train his son how to be a part of it as well. Anyway, he doesn't do it. He's too scared. So, but yeah, man, Zavach, so a different reason why we kill Yes, we get that. This is finished point first. So, the Yemen is Zevach Salmona. Come out of Gabon. So, Zevach Salmona said to Gidon, you know, we don't want the child to kill us, you kill us. Because a man has more strength than a child. And therefore, if it's going to be a child who kills, that's a very slow process because he can't use force with a knife. So, it's like a very slow mission. If somebody who's a man, a Gidon, would kill him, then it would be a much quicker, much less painful death. You can drive a knife with much, knife with much more force. So he does. So the Sarayim were the so to speak the tachshitim, the ornaments that they had on their camels to show they were the kings. And uh, we saw this already a number of times. The idea of taking the possessions of of the vanquished of the of the king which they had murdered or overcome was to show that they had now, so to speak, they deserved to take that position. It wasn't just that the king was killed, they had the right to, so to speak, replace him. Okay, so what, what is this idea? Of they should, the kid, the, 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 yes, sir, should kill him, and said, no, you should kill us, whatever. So we say this, we find the same thing again, by Agag. By Agag. When, after Shal's kiss Agag, Shmuel says, I'm going to kill him. So they brought Agag to him. And it says, Vayeshasef Shmuel Sagag. It doesn't mean to cut him into pieces. Doesn't it just that he killed him? So, what was the... What was the Indian of like, how they killed the Goyesh king? So now, there's another element here, which influenced the guy much more. And that's an important... Uh, another Nakud here, which we see also about kings. 
And we see this even hundreds of years after the Nakh, even in the Nakh, in times of Shem, in the Middle Ages, there's something like this also. And that is that it was understood that a king had a certain kilo divine right of Ruluqa. If Hashem chose him as a king, then there was something, he had a certain koyach. Ruchni, whatever it was, that he was chosen as a king. And therefore, there were a lot of, uh, the, the other Mahalakh was, people were scared to kill the king. It was clear if Hashem was chosen to be a king, he had certain rights, he had certain privileges. Um, translated into what the English call it, like he has blue blood, whatever it is. There's a certain khashivas, someone who had been chosen to be a king. And therefore, even if you overcome the country and you can take the king into egg, like capture him, right? But they were scared to kill kings. Uh, that's an anointing. Divine retribution. Yeah, whatever it was. They, they felt that there was a certain privilege a person had to be a king. They would they would leave him alone. And we find this even the other way around. We find when this existed by the goyim, then that's why they didn't always kill the Jewish king either. If, for example, like I said, when Babur, when they captured Yechonia. He put him in jail for the rest of his for the rest of Nebuchadnezzar's life. He never killed him. Somebody said here, he took out his eyes because he was punishing him. He didn't kill him. He died in his own involvement. But uh, there was a certain they could not to kill kings, and if that's the case, so there would be a certain uh, there would be a certain, uh, so to speak, at least if that's what the Goyish world looked. So then there'd be a certain machshava by the, by the Jews when they capture Goyish kings that. To undo that same point, to undo that same point, and we found two points for this. Over here, that's why originally Gideon wanted his son to kill the kings. So even a, even, a, even the child can kill you. To undo that sense of that there's a certain chashivas for kings, that would be the one. And the other one is again Bashmul and Agar. Wasn't just that he killed him. I'm not chashivas to be chal. I'll cut him to pieces. He cut him to pieces to undo that. that Kiido is some kind of special right a king has, and therefore he has to leave him. Could be, maybe it was a part of Shaul's mistake in leaving Agag, and that's why Shaul came to Shmuel came to undo that. He didn't, he didn't give him an honorable death. On the contrary, he wanted to show this. He has no chashivas whatsoever for him. And something over here. He originally, Gideon wanted his son to be the one to kill the kings, to show that he has no chashivas for the kings. In the end, when his son wasn't prepared to do it, so that's only, only then he decided to kill him himself. Okay, that's the, 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 the victory of Gideon. The victory of Gideon, like we said, that uh, at the beginning it was Kulim in Hashemayim. He won the first war without, without, without even a sword, with the shofar and the, and the torch, like we saw. But the second part, then already he did have swords, and then it was a Melchamukadeachaloyla. That was a war which he won by attacking the enemy and by being victorious over the enemy. So that was the first part of Good Investment tomorrow. We'll see the Hemshech of what happens as a result of Gideon's victory. Leaders don't want to bump each other off. Like, even when armies fight each other.